0: Life
1: Remixed. Hello there and welcome. This is Bob Proctor and I want to congratulate you Mark Wilkinson. I want people from all over the world to get this book and read it. Life Remixed. My goodness, what a great title and what a great idea.
0: Right then, good evening everyone, uh, it's Mark Wilkinson here, uh, live from London, a very warm London, uh, I've been out on the golf course all day, working up a bit of a sweat, getting myself ready for this interview, um, it's, uh, it's it's really uh, a special evening, it's a really special evening because uh, We've been running these straight talkings for some time now. Uh, we've had some incredible guests. We had Chris Lemons last time from the Netflix doc- documentary, The Last Breath, if you remember. Uh, we've had Kenny Thomas. We've had Louis Senior. We've had so many different people come and join us on this uh, straight talking episode. For people just to talk about their lives and, and how things uh, are uh, in their lives and, and how they've survived lockdown. We've had Danny Ramplin. We've had, we've had huge, huge guests um, uh, and it's been great. It's been really great running across the winter. I know we've kept a lot of you going, kept a lot of you in a positive mindset all around life remixed, of course, uh, and what we, uh, what we do with it. Uh, and it's all good. So, uh, I've got Chris Lemons joining me live. Here we go, Chris, my guest from last time, top man. Excellent. Thank you for being here, Chris. Um, so, uh, tonight is going to be a very, very special occasion, uh, because I'm going to be, uh, joined by, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Brighton's finest, uh, Norman Cook, uh, better known as uh, as Fatboy Slim. So uh, loads of you commenting already. Big love. I really appreciate it. Uh, do uh, keep those comments coming in. If you've got any questions, you're welcome uh, to pop them onto the screen and, and or pop them into the chat box and I'll uh, put them on the screen direct to Norman. So that's fine. But as I say, uh, it's a real honour uh, to have a great guy here. Uh, I'm going to bring him in right now. So there he goes. Hi, Norm. Hi,
1: Mark. How are you? Hi, world. Hi, <laughs> Mark's viewers. Uh, most, very... of all, most of all, hi, mum.
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> hi, mum. Absolutely right, mate. Uh, listen, that I said, it's brilliant to have you here, mate. Um... It's, uh, it's, it's a really special thing to, to get a, a man of your calibre to come and join us. You fill stadiums, you do incredible stuff, uh, you've made some incredible records. I'm going to talk about all this stuff uh, together just to show you, um, just so you can see on the screen, Norm, uh, I'll get a few messages so you can see those, can you, along the bottom of the screen? Um, uh, yeah,
1: my,
0: <laughs> yeah, don't worry, I can read them can out to you about,
1: as well. My reading glasses on this.
0: Don't worry, I've got your glasses. Don't worry, I've, I've got the glasses on, so I'll read them to you. So Chris was my guest, uh, the, the star of the Netflix documentary, um, uh, Netflix documentary, The Last Breath, uh, incredible. Uh, and uh, Dave Mills just saying excited, Gary saying so excited, uh, Gav Rand will just saying good evening, Mark, good evening, Norman. Um, and no, no, uh, I can a...
1: actually read that with even without the reading yeah. glasses.
0: <laughs> I'll uh, I'll get them as big as I can. Mate, I promise you. Uh, but look. Um, first and foremost when we get started uh how do we know each
1: other is that a rhetorical question
0: well how do you how do you think we know each other and then i've got a comeback for you
1: well to the music business through nights out through djing together i can't do you remember the night we met because i'm not sure i i don't remember Uh, the exact night we met
0: I don't, but I do remember the exact time uh, or where I was the first time you rang me um, because uh, you, you, my phone rang uh, and I was actually in a bathroom. And uh, there I was, uh, you know, just uh, quietly uh, minding my own business and my phone rang and I, I answered it, which I probably shouldn't have done, to be honest. Uh, was, but it, I
1: answered, was it a number one or a number two?
0: <laughs> Thank God. No, a, number, a number two, I'd have left it. Uh, definitely. So I, I stood there and uh, I answered the phone. I'm like, hello. Uh, and you went, uh, Mark. Norman Cook and I was just like, oh, <laughs> I was like, what, what do you want? Uh, in a lovely way, of course, and uh, and uh, you basically went on to tell me how much you loved Ab Hands and DYOT and the track that we made back in the day. there so uh, so that was uh, that was an awesome moment for me, and I always remember it. Probably probably not so important to you, but certainly it was to I think, me. So
1: had it been a video call, I probably would have remembered it a bit more. <laughs>
0: That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, so, uh, you know, this has come about because obviously I sent you, we've got a relationship, we know each other. So I sent you a copy of Life Remixed. Uh, I know you've read through, you know, many many parts of it, if not all of it. I do have an audio book coming. So when you're back on the road, you can listen to that as well, of course. Um, you sent me a very lovely text message. You just went, Mark, it's really interesting. I really like your journey. So first of all, f- gratitude for me. Um, but obviously, you know, it's been a strange old time, hasn't it? Lockdown. Um, you know, I mean, t- explain your side of that and, and how it kind of hit you on March the twenty fourth, and what kind of went on there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because everybody's got a, a different um, experience of lockdown. Um, I think on on the whole, it, it hasn't been it hasn't been rotten. It's been interesting, and 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 as your the attitude to life probably would think it, it's like you kind of make the best of the best of it rather than worrying in the bad bits so i don't know i mean is as uh initially as as a father it was fabulous to spend some really pro- a real quality summer with my kids because normally i'm working a lot during the summer so um being locked down with both my kids and and actually enjoying the beach in brighton and 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 being together during a whole summer which was, which was lovely so i sort of took great and and also taking a summer off from work cuz there's been a few times when it's like, so someone says, "Why don't you take some time off? Why don't you not play every weekend over the summer?" But the thing is, at my age, I kind of feel if I if I lost the momentum, if I got off, I didn't, you know, I'd be scared that I'd be able, wouldn't be able to get back on again. So it was the summer off that I probably always should have had, but would I would always have FOMO or you know, or just guilt mm-hmm. through not working. So I yeah, I kind of wallowed myself uh, wallowed in in taking a step back. Spend, spending real quality time with my kids and just having a bit of a rest. But yeah. by, by September, when my, my son went off to university and my daughter went back to school and all of a sudden it was like, and then by then it was like the second wave was on the way and it looked like my regular job wasn't coming back in. So that was when, yeah, I, I started to get start feeling it in, in the autumn and the the walls started to close in a little bit and, and I started to think, you know, Christ, who am I and what am I doing and where's life going and and will I ever get back to my normal job and and so then um, quite by fluke I I got a second job I did the, the reboot and retrain thing which is really it's kind of saved me I think in terms yeah. of my mental health it's given me a sort of a, a purpose and a connection with the world yeah I so I took a job in a cafe
0: honestly so, you. When you told me that on the phone the other day, I was just like, that was just the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, but it's not just any cafe, is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not completely random. Uh, it's a cafe that I, I own, um, but I've never been involved in the running of it. My, my best mate, my next-door neighbour, uh, runs it. And um, But then in November, one of our staff tested positive for COVID, So everyone that they'd been in contact with had to quarantine for two weeks. So we lost two thirds of our staff for two weeks. And so there was this big kind of, can we stay open? Do we shut for two weeks or, you know? And so we decided we'd, we'd muddle through and try and stay open and I'm like, well, I, I can help out, you know, and so I went in, and within about three hours, it's like, oh Christ, this is what I've been looking for in life right now, something, some purpose, and and a way of keeping me connected, and just a way to pass the time that felt vaguely useful, rather than just sitting at home doing jigsaw puzzles, and um, yeah, so since then, I've worked five days a week, and I, it, it, I really love it, I mean, it's quite, there is a sort of of surreal quality it because i haven't had an honest decent job i thought we worked out the last time i had to sort of get up in the morning do what i was told serve people use a till things like that was 1985 i was so gonna I actually had a, a, an honest job so that's and and uh, yeah and so i i mean and i've got a lovely team down there and we have a great laugh and the customers and it's quite nice because even during the deepest lockdown we were open for takeaway yeah, and because we are a cafe in the middle, in a park on the, the the top of the beach, everybody when when all we were allowed to do was go out for a walk for an hour a day, we were kind of the coffee at the end of that walk. So really. it really kept me in touch with 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 the community and with well life in general. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's kept me sane. It's kept me out of trouble, um, um, and yeah. and it's made a few people smile. Well, when they, they you talk about than ice cream by me. Yeah, I was going to say, you You talk about it being
0: surreal for you, right? I mean, there must have been double takes where it's like a cappuccino. Norman Cook? <laughs> Just like, what? You know, there must have been moments. I mean, obviously, it's local community, so in many ways they know you and they know Big, big, big Beach Boutique and all that kind of stuff, right? So, uh
1: yeah, I mean the locals sort of got yeah they were they were there you know most people know that I own the place. It's called the Big Beach Cafe, so it's kind of <laughs> and there's there's some memorabilia in there of me. So most people locally know it's me. So they they weren't too surprised and they they just you know the common common comment would be like oh it's come to this as it time to that <laughs> that hard. But my favorite one actually the other day <laughs> the other day this I was serving this bloke some cake and he went Is any, you don't have to look like fat boy's <laughs> thing. And so I said, "I said, oh, there's a reason for that." Yeah. He went, "He went, oh, does he only employ people who look like him?" <laughs> That's brilliant. That is brilliant, and uh, that I is good. A Genius idea. I think I might take that one. I might only employ people from now on who look I was people who say, look yeah, like yeah. me. Just get just
0: get thirty looky likies and get them in there and just. <laughs>
1: that's a frightening thought isn't it
0: that's brilliant that's so good that's so good mate that's that is brilliant I mean yeah look you know but we've all had to dig deep haven't we we've all had to dig deep we've all had to like change our ways or, or change something about ourselves and particularly you know for my big crash from 12 years ago that you read some of of course is that I had to go through this crisis you know and remix my life and remix everything about so because I couldn't rely on music full-time as an income at that time and mm. like, so I've been through this but 12 years ago uh, and what I'm finding is is that obviously you know you are you know in a great position there that you could actually get up and get a purpose and get on with something and and you know start serving teas and coffees and stuff um, and cake, uh, but uh, you know there's lots of people that that haven't had that uh, and there's lots of people that are are still searching for for a way out of this kind of crisis and everything. So so that's where my book has come in and, and really helped a lot of people already. So so yeah, I mean, but all power to you, mate. I mean, there's a lot of people just saying you know uh, Gav just saying it. He loves that. Um, and uh, Lisa Daly's just saying, love this as well. So that's great. Um, so let's go back a bit. Um, you know, when I was at school, I first heard music, you know, when I was like six and I got into music straight away. I mean, you were, by 1986, you were making the House Martins. You were a bass player with uh, the House Martins and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, how did you get into music? What, what was the what was the driver for you?
1: I just fell in love. With, I think I was about eight and I just fell in love with pop music. Um, there was a band called the Osmonds, who were like really famous, and they came to England, and they they were all over the news and everything. And there was this there was this film of um, Donny Osmond uh, playing that he was playing a, a piano that had light bulbs on that lit up when he played, and he had a leather jacket with his name in studs on the back. And eight year old me just went, you know what? I want a piece of that. That's why I remember. He also. He had a little, there was this, this song, Crazy Horses. He had a little kind of ribbon synth thing and he went, Crazy Horses, meow, meow, which is weird kind of acid house kind of noise. So, yeah, that, there was that moment, um, uh, which I actually worked out was, I was eight years old then, and, um, and I, I, that was it. I just wanted to be, a, a, I wanted to be in music. I, well, in those days, I wanted to be a pop star. I kind of lowered my expectations later in life, but I've and then I, I've always loved music. And from then on, I when everyone said, "What do you want to do?" I said, "I want to be a you know pop, a pop star and working pop music." And I never really wavered from that all the way through. I was in bands from when I was about thirteen. I was uh, and I was DJing because I, I was like a, a, a vinyl junkie and I had all the records. And so everything about my life was just having this dream of, of yeah. being in the music business. Um, and I
0: was to saying, and that focus, that focus to be like, this is, this is it. This is my passion. This is where I'm going. And obviously the house Martins was, you were the bass player, right? Yeah. Did you write happy hour? Were you involved? I mean, was it a band thing where you all wrote happy hour? Cause that's the big one yeah. that I know, but there must've been others.
1: No, Paul, Paul and Stan wrote the songs. Well, Paul was a mate of, I was in a band with Paul when we were at school uh, before the House Minds. so that was like we i'd known paul for ages and he is a genius songwriter. they were they were all his songs um and at that point i was i was a, uh, uh all the way through when i was at college down in brighton i was the dj and i was playing funk and hip-hop and everyone was like how did you end up in a band like the House housemines because you, you don't like that you you like dance music or yeah. black music as it was called yeah. in those days yeah. Yeah. so um yeah, so that, that wasn't that was my I mean that was me living my dreams of being a pop star and being on top of the pops and stuff like that. But musically it wasn't really I didn't have a huge input into the music. And um I mean I'm very proud of what we did, but it wasn't really my style of music.
0: And then you obviously you went into you were obviously DJing as well then. So DJing was the the step and then into production.
1: Uh yeah, I've been DJing since I was fifteen. And um when I went when I went to college I made it... I made a a conscious decision to stay out of bands because I kind of failed my A-levels because I was in a band with Paul and I just, you know, got caught up in, you know, too much rehearsing and not enough studying. So I thought if I'm going to go to college, don't be in bands. And DJing was just uh, a, just a way of paying the rent when I was going through college. But also, I just because I love music, I love DJing. But in those days, like the DJ, there was, it wasn't the idea of superstar DJs or anything like that. No. that we were just the kind of we were the train spotters in the corner who played the records, and we were kind of slightly above the glass collector in the in the food chain of nightclubs. And um, so it was just a, it was just a hobby and a, and a way of paying my way when I was at college and, but during that time, I, I, I the, during that time there was, it was like when everyone discovered mixing yeah, and, and mixing records together and, and, you know, trying to save up for that first pair of techniques. So you can, uh, so you can get into mixing and scratching and stuff like that. So it was a very exciting time of DJing. We weren't, there weren't superstar DJs, but there was this underground of, of, of people, who, who were into chopping records up and scratching them and messing around with them and, and, and doing segues as they were called. And that that all that always really excited me and turned me on. And that was always, but I mean that in those days DJing was a hobby rather than a career. You never really got paid that much. So I carried on my hobby while I did my career, which was the house buyers. And then somewhere along the line, I kind of fell out of the pot bubble and, on the way down, I kind of met the DJing way, which is what I'd always done. So I was already, you know, I'd been DJing in clubs for 10 years by then. So when DJ started to come super uh, superstars, it was like I was kind of already, I'd already paid my dues and, and uh, got the chops for it. I heard
0: Pete Tong describe you as the ideal person, perfectly placed, because you would experienced a bit of pop music. You were clearly musical, you know. Uh, and I heard him describe that you were the, just the perfect guy at the perfect moment to actually, like, elevate elevate that, that, um, into, that into that position, if you
1: like. Yeah, it was quite – it was interesting because it kind of – I had my chops as a DJ and I could mix and stuff. But then having been in a pop band, I kind of got a sense of – the the showbiz and the theatrical element, of it, and also you know like song construction and and yeah. and some kind of production. But also, I uh, probably my 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 biggest genius in 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 being involved in dance music yeah, was I totally immersed myself in the lifestyle, so yeah. I, I kind of didn't hold back on living that the party lifestyle twenty four seven. So I think that the, the conjunction of those of the the kind of the knowledge the experience but also just throwing yourself headlong into it
0: yeah hello yeah i was there too i did yeah exactly
1: Um, well it is the best way to do it you know because people you you, uh, if you're trying to make hedonistic music or create a a sense of euphoria in a crowd i mean what better way than to be a euphoric hedonist
0: yeah you it need to understand
1: like method. like method acting
0: yeah. <laughs> you need to understand you need to understand oh, yeah. what's going on out there so you need to get involved and yeah and I certainly did that in a big way um and that kind of leads me nicely into into the question about you know uh, remixing your own life at times obviously I want to talk about the big gigs I want to talk about the 90s I want to talk about about the uh, music production and that kind of stuff as well but but you know I believe that you, you you don't drink alcohol anymore. Is that correct? You've sort of remixed your life or, or you certainly drink a lot less than you would have done back in the day.
1: No, no, I've been completely sober for 13 years. Well, uh, that, that's a hell of a re- – that's, like that's like a major e- edit. That's not a remix. That's like a kind of seven-inch mm-hmm. edit. Um, yeah, no, I just got to a point where I, I, I'd given it the best 30 years of my life and it was beginning to hurt and – Things were beginning to fall off, sort of physically and emotionally, and in terms of, 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 yeah, I mean, I just all bits of my life just started falling apart, and yeah, and um, yeah, so I got sober. It wasn't easy, um, but I think it was a good decision for me. And and the thing is, I don't, I don't like to bang on about it because no. I I don't want to be a sort of poster boy for sobriety, and at the same time, I still spend most of my working life in that state of euphoria with other people. So I don't yeah. want people to think that I'm kind of, you know, cheating or faking it or anything like that. I, I kind of, I still have to have a relationship with, with, with hedonism, but yeah. that doesn't involve stimulants. I, I, don't, I
0: don't think anyone is thinking that you're faking it, mate. If they've seen you play, even over the last sort of, you know, 13, 15, you know, when you're actually out there, I mean, you are in the thick of it. I mean, you are performing.
1: Actually, it's funny. it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's the other way around. Don't, nobody thinks I fake it. Well, I, occasionally, I read the comments on, on things and everyone goes, he's off his nut. It's like, yeah. <laughs> He's off his nut, you know, so and so from Bristol. It's like, what do you think he's on? Ketamine, definitely. No, no. Look at the way he's chewing his face up. No, I just I just I think it's a bit like um was it Obelix in uh, Asterix the Ghoul where he'd fallen in the most in the magic potion. Yeah. So he didn't really need any more. I think I kind of fried my brain so much that as soon as you put me in that situation with, with the lights and the music and the crowd and everything, I get a little bit of internally just off my nut. Yeah. But without, yeah. again, I don't want to be started preaching about like, oh, it's a natural <laughs> high, man. You know, no, 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 I don't no, no, eat no that no. shit anymore. You know, I relate, um,
0: I, I really relate to that because the energy, the fact of the matter is that the energy of music is the thing that we fell in love with before we found drink and drugs, right? So, yeah. you know, I didn't. I was six years old when I heard Elvis and the Beatles, so I wasn't like off my head then. Uh, but I still found the energy of music, and when you, fo- I'm the same now. I don't, I haven't tried to drinking like 17 years, but when I go out I feel the energy I love the energy of music and I love the energy of the crowd that's the big thing um I
1: I, I totally feed off it and something happens and just that or that moment when I'm on stage and I'm in the midst of it and the music and the lights and the excitement of the people in front of me and my excitement it just I just get go into this state of I don't know what you'd call it. it, it but I mean I one thing that is quite apparent is I lose the power of speech if you talk to my tour manager or any of my crew, it's like, if in the midst of a gig, I have to try and tell explain something, like, you know, that monitor there is making a really loud crackling noise. I just go, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I go into this, yeah, it's trance. But I, yeah, I'm not faking it. I do, I do genuinely get caught up and 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 uh, I'm intoxicated by by the surrounding. One of the reasons I'm still doing it and still loving it, I suppose. Um, yeah, and, and being able to do it sober is great because it, it you know it's it prolonged my life it's sort of gen, generally my actual life yeah. but it really prolonged my my life of being able to do the traveling and the late nights and you know a man of my age would really struggle to do what, yeah. what i have to do as a dj if i had a hangover every day
0: absolutely right i mean you know the whole thing i mean you know I, i've done a bit of research on this the, the name fat boy slim lots of people ask me uh, you know, where did it come up? How did it come about? I read somewhere that you've told so many lies about it. You've forgotten what
1: it was. I, I have no. I do know why, but I, the thing is, I can't actually answer it. Um, truthfully, okay. Just for just for a really really embarrassing reason, just not to <laughs> not to embarrass or upset anyone. Um, so no. That's it's not, the thing is, no, it doesn't really mean. It doesn't mean it's it's the world's greatest oxymoron. I yeah, think yeah. it sounds really cool, like I'm this, you know, blues singer who can't exist.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, get it.
1: Which which kind of, it sort of rings true. If you think, like, uh, DJs are a bit like, you know, they're sort of travelling minstrels who went from town to town relaying stories and singing songs, and that's how, you know, things were remembered before they had books it's a bit like that you just go from town to town spreading nonsense and smiles hopefully and rhythm and yeah so it's a bit like those blues men who would just go from town to town but i'm the one who just can't who can, can't actually exist
0: no, i get that i understand that i mean i i think that you know it's i mean you know with the greatest respect and, and we know each other I mean you're just a normal guy you know I mean you're just a normal fella but when you go it's almost like you go into character isn't it it's almost yeah. like you go into the character Fatboy Slim is almost like a character isn't
1: it oh no it's, it's not almost I, I do I mean back in the day when I was partying a lot probably I spent most of my life as fat Boy Slim and, and, and very rarely sort of strayed back into being Norman but these days it's a very definite demarcation because because norman is a 57 year old father of two who's quite responsible and 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 almost sensible but then as soon as i don the uniform and go out on stage just for the two hours i can be fat boy slim who is an irresponsible lunatic <laughs> who doesn't really care about anything apart from making people laugh and dance and and, and it's great because it's a nice release but it is yeah i mean it's very much like my sort of stupid uh superhero alter ego. And I literally do, I literally I put on the high-end shirt, I take off my shoes, drink two cans of Red Bull, and then my tour manager slaps me really hard across the face. And that's it. And now for the next two hours I'm gonna be fat boy slim
0: and i mean yeah not only that but filling stadiums and uh and huge events uh you know i mean all power to you i think it's wonderful what you do uh you know and and i've always found your music to be very it's very accessible but it's right up my street you know it's, you've got the right energy but there's also lots of stuff that i recognize in there you know there'll be lots of pianos there'll be lots of melody there's lots of like uplifting stuff that i've, I've always enjoyed and uh, i think that comes from that sort of soul boy kind of you know uh, roots, would you agree?
1: Uh, I think, uh, well, I always thought it, it came up from, I just grew up doing a wonderful age of music. I grew up, literally grew up with the Beatles. I was born the year that the Beatles started. So my whole up, my whole thing, I, my, and my parents really liked the Beatles. So I had the Beatles and then sort of glam rock. But then just as I was coming of age, we had punk rock which ripped up all the rule books and, and, and that kind of do-it-yourself ethic of, you know, start your own record label. You make music. You don't have to be a great musician to make music. So that really affected me. So there was punk rock and then there was hip-hop. When I started DJing, it was just around the same time, hip-hop and, D and you know, mix mixed DJing and scratching came in. And then Acid House. <laughs> and, and basically, a lot of my music is basically a conjunction of pop music, a punk ethic, an Acid House kind of um, beat. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and it's just – just, just I, I was just lucky that I lived through all those yeah, uh, and, and – and so, uh, yeah, and and it's not sort of conscious. But, I mean, I don't know. I've definitely got a an ear for a hook. I mean, if yeah, there's yeah. one talent – I'm not a very good bass player. I'm not the world's best DJ, but I kind of do have an ear for a hook, and I think that's quite a, quite a I, I, good – I would say –
0: I would say that I would agree. And I would say that that's been um, proven quite considerably by the millions of albums and singles that you've sold through, you know, 90s and beyond, you know I mean? You, you sold huge amounts of records and then ended, ended up putting on an event on uh, Brighton beach and uh quarter of a million people turned up, right?
1: Yeah. Again, just, it's been a, a huge swathes of luck in my career. I, I, I wish I could claim that I knew what was going on and I planned things yeah. and intended them to happen, but a lot of it was just happy accidents and being in the right place at the right time. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, the the gigs on Brighton Beach are something I'm very proud of because Brighton is my home, and to do something, you know, to do the pride you get to do something like that in your own city yeah. uh, is, is it takes things to another level. So um, yeah, but I mean that was just a kind of it was a One part. It all started with cricket on Channel Four, bizarrely enough. Exactly. And yeah, it it started because Channel Four had just got the franchise to show Test cricket, and they thought to promote it that summer they would show the England Australia series on on different venues around the country. So there's one. It was in. They put on a giant screen in Hyde Park for one of them, and they were coming down to Brighton. They thought they'd put it on the beach, so they built this enormous screen to show the Test match. And while they were setting it all up, they, they just said, oh, you know, while we've got the sound system and the screen, should we have a little after party or something? So they just asked me if I wanted to do it. And uh, just kind of sort of off the cuff like a month beforehand. And then by the time we came to do the show, England had lost the the cricket within on the first day, so no one actually turned up to watch the cricket. But forty thousand people turned up to the after party, um, at which we hadn't, you know, which which wasn't even, you know, wasn't even in our gig list for that summer. Yeah. So yeah, things like that, happy accidents happen. And then the year after, we did it again, and even more people turned up. And but again, you know, the the, the just from, from the weather. I mean, yeah. And Had it rained that day, then none of that would happen. If it hadn't have been the first really sunny sunny day of the of the year, uh, none of that would happen. So yeah, there's, there's been a lot of luck, and and not a huge amount of not a huge amount of planning or forethought on my part. I've never well, really planned on what to do next.
0: No, I mean, I, I really understand that. I think sometimes the universe just aligns and it just shines yeah. on you. It just shines on you and it's just like, you know, you know, doors open up for you. And I think a lot of that comes from your attitude. You know, you're a smiley guy, you're a happy guy, you know, you're not a moody DJ, you know, you always look like you're enjoying yourself and having a good time. Uh, and I think that, you know, connects you to the crowd and connects you to people. Um, I do remember talking to Andy Mack, who used to work in your record label uh, some years ago. Um, and I remember talking to him the day after the whole kind of Brighton thing where it all got absolutely packed and the trains were packed. And, you know, it was all like a surprise, I think, for many of you, you didn't even know that was going to happen. And uh, I said to him, I said, what's Brighton like this morning? He says, it stinks of piss. Um,
1: <laughs> which was like quite, is, that, Therein is my legacy. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. sorry to drop that one on you mate but that's i know it's true no i mean lots of weird things happen but uh, yeah and again it was like a you know the weather thing i mean we were praying for rain literally for the next two weeks it was really really stinking hot we're praying for rain just to wash the piss off the streets Oh God! Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's the that's that's not the, that's the the glamorous or the less glamorous bit, um, you know. And it's you know people do think, don't they? They do think that music and DJing is all glamour. It's all glamour. And I'm sure there was moments, certainly moments in my life where there were great moments. You know, you looked after. You know, people love what you do. You're just playing some songs. Admittedly, you're producing some wonderful songs as well. You know, and, and a, a musical. Um, catalogue that that, you know people would just you know love to have so so you've got all of that but there's moments where it's not as glamorous isn't there have you got any kind of moments that sort of really jump out at you i was reading something about a really bad gig you had in shanghai i read that somewhere
1: yeah no i mean i've i've had bad gigs and i've had moments where it's like what you know what are we doing here or how do we get out of here but you can i don't really want to bang on about them too much because the thing is they're good bits far outweigh the bad bits. And yeah. I, I hate DJs who moan, go, oh, I have to spend half my life in airports. It's like, you spend half your life in airports because you're going to really exciting places, you know, yeah. it's a means to an end. Yeah. And so, I know I would never moan. I mean, no, I've, yeah, no, I've had a few nightmare incidents. Yeah, Shanghai was, I got, uh, it was it a was long, long time ago and they hadn't really had any kind of gigs there or DJs going out there. And they thought I was inciting a riot. Because everyone was kind of moshing and getting a bit overexcited, It's just a lot of drunk expats really yeah. having fun, you know, letting off steam. But they, the, the Chinese authorities, decided it's a bit much, and they had it. They had a line of uh, soldiers with poli- with machine guns between me and the crowd. <laughs> I kind of theatrically pushed them out of the way so the crowd could just get forward, and then they got a bit cross about that. And then they told me I had to play. Uh, quiet records because the, the crowd were too excited and i was sending messages back going you know they're saying you know can you play some some ballads at george michael and i'm like look my job is to get people over excited this is what i've come here to do mm-hmm. and in the end after a few bits of two and fro, my poor tour managers coming out go the authorities say this and i was like there's me going ah, <laughs> the in the end i just went tell them you know I've come all here to do my job. If they kind of want to put a gun to my head, then I'll stop doing it. But until then, I'm just going to do what I'm here to do. And the message came back. It's going, they have a gun and they're quite prepared to put it to your head. <laughs> Switch the music off now and go back to the dressing room.
0: Oh my days. I mean, I, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty dramatic. I remember once DJing at a gig uh, on a ministry of sound uh, event in Dubai and uh, I, I, put, I went on. The guy was before me was playing not house music. They said definitely go and play house. So I went and started playing some house. I played two house records, and the guy came over and said, "Have you got any Arabic?" I was like, honestly no, I haven't. Uh, you know, and it's just you, you find yourself in these situations sometimes, and it's uh, yeah, it, it, it can be interesting. But do you still get the same buzz? Do you still get the same buzz now from from the big gigs. I mean, you've got this tour coming up in November, right?
1: Yeah. No, I wouldn't say that I get a bigger buzz out of bigger gigs than i get from small ones i think i actually get more of a buzz from the small ones Mm. because i i'm more in tune with the with the crowd i'm kind of we're going on a journey together and it can go to some interesting places the bigger gigs are really sort of exciting in the spectacle of it Mm. but you do end up playing the same set a lot because you know it works and you can't you can't really take any risks. You can't kind of think, I wonder what happens if I do this? Because if you get it wrong, then it's going to kill the night. So, yeah. I, you know, the, 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 the arena gigs, we, we've done a few recently. And, and they're, they're exciting, but I don't really get, so, get the same kick as I get about playing a really dirty club.
0: I remember actually, I remember hearing you play after on Brighton Pride. Uh, We had had a photo together at Brighton Pride uh, some years ago. And it was a little, club. it wasn't the Escape, but it was one of those little clubs in Brighton. uh, And you were just, it was almost like unannounced, you know, and you were just there and it was like 300 people and it was tight and it was dark and it was like, yeah, come on, you know, that, and I know, I know myself when, playing to a smaller crowd in a tight little it's just you can really get into it playing in a huge i haven't played anything like the events that you've had but playing on that it's much more difficult for a dj isn't it
1: it is yeah i mean you you as a dj you kind of thrive on that interaction with the crowd yeah. and the bigger the gig the, the further you are removed from the crowd i mean physically you know they're further away for stars and you know and you can't really hear them you you know you don't get that kind of encouragement so yeah i mean it's uh yeah, I, I, I'm at my, in really in my element at a really filthy late night after hours when everyone's just, you know, no one really cares because it, it, it's quite hard work playing those bigger gigs. Um, I mean, it's great fun. It's beautiful, and it's, and it's great. Yeah. But it's more the spectacle of the lights, and, and, and we try and… It's as, more of a performance, we put on, isn't it? We try and put on a, yeah, a big performance, yeah. and, but it's a performance. That's, that's the key to it, Mark. Yeah. Those big ones, they're a performance. Yeah, Whereas yeah, the little gigs. I'm not really performing. I'm just in it with the crowd. Yeah, yeah. In you fact, know, it, was in,
0: it was in audio. My friend Rachel says on the screen it was in audio in Brighton. She was there with me. Yeah, and uh,
1: it was in audio. Audio was what used to be the Escape Club. So it's uh, the same yeah. building, different club. You're both yeah. right.
0: There, we're both right, I like that, that's very good. Uh, we're getting loads of loads of greetings and, and, and shouts coming in here. So, uh, Harris and Eliza would like a shout. We've got shouts in uh, from Portugal. Danielle's watching in Portugal. Uh, we've got Dave saying, always full of energy. Um, we've got uh, the uncle Earl uh, in uh, NYC calling us both geniuses which is very pleasant thank you sir I really appreciate that um, so many people sh- giving shouts lots of people saying you've served them teas in the in the cafe recently and stuff like that' <laughs> yes,
1: so, uh, that's got good. their order right
0: yeah <laughs> That's all good. Um, so you know, obviously, you know, you're enjoying what you're doing still. You're looking forward to this. You have got a, like a UK tour in November of about 10 gigs, I think, or something like that. But you're gonna clearly need some time off from work.
1: Um, well, I've kind of got a the, the good that's the good thing about owning the business. You can uh, you can step in and step out. No, I mean, obviously, I've just I've just booked myself for another month uh with the with the latest government um change around. Yeah. So um i mean i i over the last year there has been points when i've kind of begun to lose my faith in Mm. just that that community and that sense of power and excitement of us all coming together it's like has has that gone and sometimes it would be like "Did did it really exist was it really that good and Am I now too? You know, by the time it comes back, will I be too old to do it? And so there was sort of doubts until about five weeks ago in Liverpool. Yeah, uh, I was lucky enough to be invited to play the the government pilot show um, with, with Yoss, with Yousef, um, and th- that that just oh, it was it's just a beautiful thing that really made my heart beat again. And it's like, no, you this is it is as good as you remember it. You do love this, and. People do like you, and it will. It felt like a, a glorious light at the end of the tunnel. Now, how, how long this tunnel is, I don't know, but it did. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and yeah, I can't wait to get to get back to playing. I, I pro, as of this moment, I'm probably quite nervous about getting back to playing in arenas, so I'm hoping that I get to do lots of club shows between now and then, just so I really got my chops in but because it has been a while and it, and it and it and you know i've done a few live streams and things like that but it's not the same you, you, i i i feed off the audience and yeah, yeah. you know a, a, a band without an audience isn't you know an interpret performance but a dj without an audience is just a bloke playing records
0: well, I, I did laugh. I did laugh. I mean, I, I did some online through the winter just because I needed it for my own sanity. Uh, but I did laugh. You know, I did wonder. I'd laugh to myself in a in a loving way. You know me. I've got a good attitude to life and everything. I did wonder when it became something for to watch a fifty year old man dance on the internet. Uh, it just kind of uh, then, <laughs> where did that come from?
1: Well, I, I tried not to dance to it. I got I got my daughter to do all the all the serious dancing.
0: Nice, did you well, see well, the, well, the
1: stream I did with my daughter?
0: I saw the one you did with yourself, but I didn't
1: see the one with your daughter. No, I did one with my 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 daughter Nelly. Uh, is is a great budding little DJ, and Brilliant. we did one for Camp Festival, oh, wow. um, where where yeah where she basically DJed, and Amazing. I uh, I embarrassed myself doing dad dancing behind her, but she was <laughs> the one pulling off the, the cool moves.
0: That's that's awesome though no, that's awesome mate and, uh, and I absolutely love it um lots of great questions coming in here uh you know you uh you said about obviously uh wanting to do some club gigs. I might have a couple for you normal i'll talk I'll talk to you later about that, but we never know uh but it, it's all good mate, I mean, you know clubbing will come back, i believe there's a few people saying do you think clubbing will recover um you know uh you know, and just saying um uh, keeping positive I would say, and clearly you know you've got a positive mental attitude to life you know you 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 know. Remixing your life as such an opportunity, you know, you know, you had you've had an opportunity. The opportunity was to have a year off, spend time with the kids. There's positives to it, isn't it? Every crisis there is an opportunity, so it's about finding the positives and then working with them and then growing. And and you know, it will come back, and it will be maybe a bit different for a while. Obviously, with the government, you know, guidelines and stuff like that. But it's it's gonna come back. There's no doubt about it. We need to dance. We need to be uh, together. Uh, you know that that power you know, it's like watching the football with no fans, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, when the fans come back, you know, all of a sudden it starts to make things uh, a bit bit better. I must actually just touch on the football as well, actually, um, because it always made me laugh. Uh, Your record label was called Skint, right? Um, Mm. And... uh, uh, you know, back in the day when Brighton and Hove Albion lost their ground and it all went to shit. Um, Brighton, you actually had sponsored their shirts, didn't you? So they were yeah. basically playing in a, a ground down the road that, that no one even uh, hardly knew where it was. And they had skint on their shirts and stuff like that. That always made me smile.
1: Uh, me too. Yeah. I, yeah. There was a sense, a sort of sense of irony in there, but uh, yeah. And I mean, the, the, we were skint records and the club was skint, So it would, it were, yeah, no, we were club sponsors we were shirt sponsors for nine years and, and, and I still got a great relationship with the club um, the funniest thing was because at that point Loaded Magazine sponsored Reading I believe yeah, and there was one match where Skint played Loaded <laughs>
0: Quality.
1: Well done. I like that a lot. Um, so
0: obviously, um, you know, uh, I've had some other questions coming in and stuff like that. I mean, you know, one of these is um out of all the gigs you've played, which one would you love to play again? That's a tough question, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I'd love to oh, I'd love to play that Brighton Beach one again, but in a in a, a, a less fraught mood. Yeah,
0: okay. Because
1: it, it was potentially the greatest gig of my life, but it was so completely fraught with. Having spent all day arguing with policemen and uh, and worrying with a, with a safety officials, and you know, it was I was so rattled when I got to play it. It probably wasn't the best set of my life, and it should have been. You know, so I've probably I would go back to that one.
0: Yeah, I think that's very interesting, actually, because I've put I was, I've been a DJ and DJ for other people, clearly. I've also put on my own parties. When you put on your own party, you really don't enjoy it the way you do and you just play with someone else because you've got all of that shit going on. So imagine that with, like, you know, thousands upon thousands of people and, and, and the situation you're in. So, yeah, I can really I Yeah, like- I mean,
1: we're basically going on with the premise that just before I we went on, the safety officer said to me, you know two people will die tonight, don't you? Oh, gosh. And I was like, what? He Oof. said, "He said it probably won't be your fault." He said, "But statistically, with this amount of people out on the streets, somebody's going to have a heart attack, or somebody's going to, you know," said, "You know, people will die." And 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 he and he said, "And if we get this wrong," he said, "We'll have two Hillsboroughs on our hands." So I'm going on stage thinking, "What's that? What, Ninety-six times two? What's that? 180? What, what the hell you are you are, Going on going on stage thinking, try not to make too many people die tonight is not really the best mindset. You no. want to be going let's make this the best, per- best night of everybody's life tonight rather than just try not to kill anyone.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah,
1: yeah, that was I would love to go back back to that night and and go into it with a slightly more relaxed attitude.
0: Yeah, okay, I completely relate to that. Um uh people are just saying uh people are saying that Nelly was awesome. She's clearly like her dad. Uh, Do you hear that now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone uh,
1: uh, writing saying you were awesome.
0: Yeah, you're awesome. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, clearly, like, a, uh, <laughs> she's not listening. But that's no, cool, mate. Um, uh, people saying, uh, yeah, a little shout out to Jack and Penny and Bill and Hampton. Uh, Amex Stadium gig was epic. Uh, all the gigs have been great. Uh, Rachel and I saw you at Ushuaia. Um, which was brilliant there as well in Ibiza. That was fabulous. And, uh, yeah, you know, all power to you, mate, uh, because uh, there's so much to uh, there's so much to look forward to. And let's get those gigs back. Colette just saying she needs to dance as well.
1: Yeah, so, you're right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. That's one thing I think we've learned from, from this, is we do need to dance. Yeah. It's not some frivolous uh, kind of bizarre, you know, uh, like icing on the cake. There is a, a primeval need for us to communicate and commune with our fellow human beings. connect, yeah. connect via really loud music and dancing and, and as stupid as the weirdest thing about when we did the, um, the, 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 pilot gig in Liverpool, the weirdest part of the experiment was that within two hours, we'd all lost our voices ah. because, uh, because our vocal cords just hadn't been used to shouting and being excited and, you know, like, and shouting over the top of the music. Yeah. So within two hours, everybody there had lost their voice. Yeah. So there are, yeah. I mean, these are there are sort of physical reasons why we do this, and it's not just about getting off your nut, and it's just not it's not just about you know procreating the species. It's it, yeah, there's something very primeval that, that that we need to let off steam by dancing That's and dancing, by dancing together, not just singly in our kitchens.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. You're not just a 50 year old man on the internet. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Michelle says dancing is everything. Uh, Absolutely right. And I I think that, you know, for me, you know, that kind of 90s kind of moment where you and I were super hedonistic and and going for it and having it and all that good stuff. um, You know, that was um, for me, that was about extending the fun it meant that I could go longer. It meant I could dance longer. It meant I could enjoy like, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours. I mean, my longest DJ gig was like eight hours at the cross in London and stuff like that. You know, I used to love that kind of, you know, know, elongated kind of DJ set and stuff like that. When you're right in the thick of it with the crowd and stuff like that, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not, you know something that we can just park and go oh we're not going to do that anymore it's like we've gone through this situation and we're going to come out the other side and i mean we did this interview tonight we on the 16th because we thought obviously of the 21st that you were going to be sort of getting back out on the road now obviously you've had to tweak a few gigs i'm sure back into
1: july and, and beyond yeah, I dropped, dropped eight shows in the did yeah you? i had eight shows in that first month
0: wow wow okay and uh one of my friends is uh one of my friends richard says uh, come down on your motorbike mark and we can pop over to the cafe for a cuppa so uh yeah you might see us down there one day soon mate. Right? we're popping in for a popping in for a drink um so that's all good um but look um so uh if not music what else would you have done or what else could you have done uh, apart from like working a cafe
1: <laughs> well the I, there was at one point where where i would basically i was i was on and uh had a big tax bill and somebody sort of said, If you, you know, if you considered maybe actually getting a proper job, this music thing's not working for you. Um, <laughs> <That's> bad advice. <laughs> uh well, I it was really lucky. I got I got one um PPL check, which basically saved my ass and and paid off the tax bill and allowed me to carry on. And uh, but at that point, yeah, I was pretty much I was pretty much skinned. So at that point, I looked towards the fire brigade. Ah. Uh, I don't know why. I just I can I, I think I, it, it sort of reminded me of a musician's life. You sit around for ages, not doing very much, with your mates, inventing stupid nicknames for each other, and then and then you get up and you do something really exciting and stimulating, and well, in the case of fire, actually good for humanity. Yeah. And and the chicks dig the uniform. So yeah, that was, that was basically then my thinking was so that yeah, and I yeah. as, far as working out physically because I think at that point I was 28 or 29 thinking am I too old, but you have to have a chest expansion of six inches or something like that. And I was still, I could do that. I figured I could get fit enough. So that was, but that was my sort of my alternative. That was my plan B was the fire service.
0: I remember, I remember when the fire people, when the fire service were on strike. Uh, and uh, there was a comedian, and he did this set, and he said something to the effect of, uh, "Listen, give the fire brigade, give the fire brigade whatever raise they want, right? These are people that run into burning buildings. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's not, you know, yeah. these are these people are like, you know, special. No, I've
1: got I've got the utmost um, utmost admiration for the fire service because they are quite they sort of they're permanently underfunded and. But we, we need them, and you really want them to be there if your house is on fire. Mm-hmm. And there is, is a kind of particular breed of people uh, in, in the fire service who have got a kind of a grit and, I don't know, they sort of – I find them the unsung unsoul- heroes of the, of the Blue Light Brigade. Um oh, yeah.
0: Yeah my 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 brother works for in HR he doesn't run into burning buildings but he works in HR for the fire service and he's always got an incredible story about someone doing something yeah, they're, they're yeah
1: different I've, never, I've never met a fireman I didn't like
0: yeah 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 okay yeah and,
1: and I've met a few policemen I didn't
0: yeah. Oh, yeah okay yeah I'm relating to that uh, Have you ever written a book of your life
1: no no oh, mate, somebody that would be incredible somebody somebody did write, write one a few years back and I declined to get involved in it. No, I kind of, I kind of, I don't, I don't, I don't got the kind of arrogance to think that my life's been interesting enough to warrant a book, a pamphlet, oh, maybe. I, I, um, I disagree. But there, but there's two bigger problems than that. One is I can't remember most of the juicy bits because <laughs> it was during the, 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 the wild days. Yeah. And, and two is the bits I can remember. I can't really repeat. Okay. Whilst, whilst my parents or my children are alive. Yeah. Now, you, I, I, could my, I could wait until my parents died, but I'd have to kill my children so I could <laughs> write a book, so they could never read it. <laughs> let's let's leave that there, shall we? So um uh, yeah. to make that sacrifice just so <laughs> you can hear a few <laughs> random stories about me falling out of aeroplanes. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Gary Gary Prince says, write an effing book, Norman. There you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Um, yeah. I mean, out of, your, of all your repertoire and you've written some incredible tracks mate i mean you know you 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 said an an ear for a hook you know all the 90s tracks all the really big you know praise yous and all that kind of stuff have you got like one or two favorite tracks that you just love and one or two the favorite videos i always remember the videos you know the praise you video with the people dancing outside the cinema the christopher walken video you know all those kind of things is there anything that you just really love you know that always always gets you
1: um i love my i really love those two videos yeah. Uh but but basically because I didn't make them or have to be in them. You know, I I can like them as a fan. Okay, I'm a yeah. big fan of Spike Jones. Yeah. And yeah, I I enjoyed the videos more because I could get other people to do them. And like Roman Coppola's one of uh, blowing up the blowing shit up. <laughs> which is which, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I can't I mean you see I mean, I can't really enjoy my own music. Really, really? I'm, sort of, I'm, very, I'm sort of proud of proud of a lot of it, but I can't really enjoy it because I know how it was made. There's no sort of intrigue to it. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I will always look at the uh, the the praise you video in the right here right now and, uh, and the um, weapon of choice video. Um, but there's underrated ones. Have you seen the one for your mama? Mm, remind me, tempo. There's, there's a video for that. It got lost because it was kind of like a double A side with weapon of choice. And the, that video got eclipsed, but that is that is that video still really makes me laugh. Really.
0: We, uh, we'll look it up and put a link into the chat for everyone later. But, yeah, that's why I asked that kind of question, because artists have always got a song that they kind of like, you know, that didn't oh, get uh... I,
1: I see what you're getting at now. Yeah. Oh, right. Mine one would be Demons. Okay. Demons featuring Macy Gray, okay. which uh, was my first, first for, foray into sort of songwriting. Okay. After... after Two albums of like, you know, just repetitive samples, samples, yeah, and, you know, and hooks. I think it was it was either the Chemical Brothers or Zoe who just said, Norman, you should really work with actual, you know, musicians and so <laughs> to step up now, yeah, yeah. And it's time to, yeah, sort of, you know, now you can, you can afford it and you can ring these people up. So, yes, yeah, so I rang, I'd, I'd, I'd met Macy Gray at, at the Brits or something and we got on well. So, I just rang her up and said, Do you want to do your tune together? and it was all very rock and roll i flew over to la to record it with her and and i'm really proud of it but it wasn't a hit um so yeah so if you get a chance kids yeah, yeah. And, and also i'm quite proud of it because it's quite a gospely sound it's, it's based around a bill withers piano uh, yeah piano sample mm. uh but it's quite a gospelly kind of sound that, that that macy uh achieved and then it got covered Lately, uh, afterwards by the five blind boys of Alabama who were my gospel vocal group of choice when I was learning about black music like in the early 80s and to be covered by so <laughs> normally what happens is you know white artists cover black artists you know and do a kind of sanitized cleaned up version of it but for a gospel group to to do a gospel version of a tune that I'd written with Macy I was I was really touched. So if you want to get really deep dig out the Five Blind Boys of Alabama covering Demons
0: I'll tell you what I'm absolutely going to do that because I'm a real soul boy I've just done a track with Kenny Thomas uh which I'll be pinging over to you at some point in the next couple of months um but uh you know I'm a real soul boy I'm I'm an absolute soul boy and uh you know so I'm going to be looking that up myself and 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 looking for that version as well um because I mean you know it's amazing your career mate it really is um how do you keep current you know what what is it that kind of you know keeps you there keeps you current keeps you obviously at the moment we're 15 months without gigs right but when you get back to it you know when you did the liverpool gig you know how did you keep yourself current and and you know
1: um i think just just uh digital crate digging every week i get sent a phenomenal amount of tunes by record companies and by promotion companies and i listen to every single one some only three or four seconds yeah yeah you can make you can make your mind up quite quickly well, i know yeah bass record it's you know no offense I'm you know so but i i i've heard some djs pay other people to do it but i've kind of had to do it myself so i listen to at least a bit of every single tune that comes out and there's a lot yeah. there's like kind of a few probably yeah about three hours a day if, over the week um so yeah that's that i think that kind of keeps me current and i don't know i mean i mean much of what much of what i do is timeless you know yeah, there's, they've, they've invented a few new things like the cdj rather than the techniques and there's something called the sync button but i've never worked out how that works no no
0: i don't so know the, either. The
1: technology has changed a bit but not much but the basic premise is you go out and you play tunes that make people lose their minds and lose the control of their hips and that's you know that's what you're there to do and, and that doesn't really change you know i listen to the music my kids you know the sort of pop music that my that my daughter listens to and it's like i couldn't keep up with that you know I, I just don't understand it but i understand that prime or prime evil need we have to dance and what triggers people to do it and to be honest that doesn't really you know it doesn't really change everybody every now and then it's like oh it's this thing called dubstep or oh, yeah. you know, everything's gone trap. But generally that, that, that house groove is, is just yeah. here to say, you know, it started, it's basically an elongation of disco. So it's been there as long as we've been going out listening to dancing to amplified music, really. So yeah. easy. So you don't have to be that current, but I'd, I'd like to stay on top. I mean, it was it was it was interesting what you said about the Liverpool show because I I spoke to a lot of the DJs and we none of us always were like, what do we do? Do we play all the tunes that have come out in the year since we last played? Do we yeah. stop? Because normally your set is like a it's a bit like a stockpot. It's like it's always bubbling away, and you just add new bits to it. And, yeah. You know, take stuff out, and to it's like, do you just start from scratch, like nothing's happened, or you or do you just carry on because? none of the tunes that you were playing you've have been overplayed because no one's been to clubs so yeah. uh, i, I kind of went a bit halfway there halfway i played the best kind of eight tunes that have, have come out during the year the, and then the rest of the set was kind of stuff that had been in my set or, or oldies or things i mean the the tune of the, the tune of the that night was free Alternate, of course which yeah. took on a whole new life and significance and that was quite a religious almost religious moment everybody saying because you're free um Brilliant. but yeah it's 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 strange that, uh like you said what will have happened to clubbing when we all come back there i mean there'll be a generation of kind of people who are just about to turn 18 and just about to start their club clubbing careers and that was snatched away from them i feel really sorry for them Mm. there might be people who've kind of fallen out of love with clubbing because they've discovered other pursuits during lockdown mm. so it might come back as a different as a different beast
0: yeah i, I would agree with that because there was a there's a whole kind of like school of thought that everyone's going to come rushing back out and everyone's going to be like flying back into nightclubs and events and festivals and you know people are putting on events and then having to cancel them and move them but there's that kind of school of but but i you know part of me thinks it's it's going to you know obviously the liverpool thing was a good thing i saw the pictures i saw the videos of it and everything and so that was a great test event but there's a school of thought that it might be a, a, a bit more gradual we'll have to see in four weeks and then see what happens after that but um you know your november your november uh, uh, tour is going to be exciting i would say
1: i i would put money on being able to do big gigs by november Mm. I wouldn't, I'm, I'm still not sure about during this summer whether the festivals will actually happen. I mean, if you think about it, the first sort of three steps of coming out of lockdown were quite measured. It was like, every, you know, that each step was like, now we can do this. Mm-hmm. But on what was going to be the 21st of June and is now 13th of July, on that day we go from the rule of six to the rule of 60,000. <laughs> yes. It's quite a leap, and I was never quite sure how that was really going to work. Uh, I mean, the only, you know, that, that pilot event we did in Liverpool, the reason it worked was because we all tested. Everybody yeah. in the the building had tested 24 hours before. So it didn't really matter what we did to each other and we could all lick each other's faces and hug strangers because we'd all, so theoretically, none of us had the virus. Mm. So that all that proved was that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sceptical about bigger gigs. I mean, I... but it, in a way, it be it would be quite nice for it to come back in a kind of grassrootsy kind of level.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because it
1: is now with the, with the people that are playing table service gigs. You know, yeah. It kind of it's for the heart real hardcore. It's like we we need our kicks so bad we pretend we're prepared to play chicken with the bouncers. Yeah, 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 yeah. We whack kind of a whack-a, mole game where you all get up, a bouncer comes running up, <laughs> and then the table over there gets up. So, it, it, in a way, it, it's nice to come back in increments because yeah. I mean, I've. I, I'll be—I'll be—be be quite honest, you know. To if I had to go straight back and play a really big show first, I'd be bricking it because you know I've—I—I yeah, I'm out of practice, or I might be out of practice, or I don't know, or you know, you don't know what tunes to play because you don't know what the vibe's going to be. So um, yeah, I think as with the whole experience of coming out down of lockdown, I think doing it slowly and in a measured fashion. Is is a sensible way and I'm not moaning about that extra four no. weeks had taken off. I think it's a sensible move.
0: Yeah, I, I understand that. And I think uh I mean we've been out like two or three times throughout the whole thing. we the thing we've gone is the Prince of Wales in Brixton, Norman Jay uh has been playing the soul of the disco and you know you get up and as you say about down, you know come on you know what I mean let's just you know but yeah I mean yeah I, I get it and and yeah we've done enough to be able to sort of like get through it and with the online DJ mixes and stuff like that but um yeah I, I really hear you mate I really do um I am conscious that you know we, we said we'd be about an hour we've been an hour already um it is so good to have your time and I, I do obviously know as a as a family man that you're going to you need to you know uh put the kids to bed and all that good stuff in due course um let me ask you a couple of other quick questions just before we before we finish up um is there a question you wish someone would have asked you in an interview that no one ever has
1: yeah the question i wish someone would ask me is have you met Cher
0: okay have you met Cher Norm
1: well i didn't think i had but apparently i have Oh, okay and why don't you remember this uh monumental epic moment because <laughs> it was during a wild time of my life when I maybe didn't remember everything that happened to me okay uh, no I think it, this is probably a good indication of why I'm sober these days <laughs> somebody said something about oh you and Cher and I said yeah what about them he said well your mates aren't you and I was like no I've never even met her they went you have? I was like, no, 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 no. And they, about two months later, they showed me a photo of me having a drink with Claire. <laughs> that, that's when you're like, oh, okay. I wonder what I said to her. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. There, oh, yeah, that was one of, one of my main, one of my many sort of light bulb moments of uh, I'm, I I'm very much gladder. <laughs> And I wonder
0: I wonder what her lasting impression of this uh, guy with his eyes playing football with his nose and his uh, I don't know, what she's thinking oh yeah I'm it Norman come F- it
1: we, we seem to be getting on like a- <laughs> that's the saddest thing <laughs>
0: it's like
1: you won't believe what he said to me oh. <laughs> You won't believe it. He won't remember it.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's brilliant. So uh, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna let everyone love us and leave us in a minute. But just before we go, um, you, you've got the big Wembley gig in November. Um, uh, I'm assuming there's some t- still some tickets left. I probably you probably don't get involved
1: in that, do you? At the end of the day, um, no, you know, I can't, I can't even comment, Mo. I, I didn't come on this thing tonight to promote, no. promote, self-promote. No. I came here to have a lovely chat with you about music and life. Yeah, it would be cheap of me to Start holding up the date. Um, yes, Uh, there's dates in November if you want to come.
0: Brilliant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, these days with my knees, you've seen pictures in the book of my knees when they were at their worst. Uh, these days I I do need a seat, so uh, I might have to uh, upgrade into the VIP area. Um, but uh, it would be lovely to be there. Uh, and uh, we'll certainly be uh, keeping in touch and talking more, Norm. Um, it's been really cool. Actually, one last thing, actually, before I let you go. We watched the MTV Cribs thing uh about you and your your house in Brighton um some years ago. I thought it was ten years ago, you reckon it was about twenty. Um but uh
1: there was a couple of good well, things. Be, I'll tell you it's gotta be more than thirteen, I'll tell you that much.
0: Is that oh why? Because oh okay. <laughs> Just we leave it there. Sorry. Okay.
1: It was the it was the old me. It was the life before the remix me.
0: Oh, I see. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so the thing about that is, is that um, just so people know, uh, there's a great bit on on the uh, Cribs, MTV Cribs, where uh, you've got all your gold discs, but they're not all down your hallway or anything. Where are they?
1: They're in the laundry room. Because uh well i thought it's a bit naff to have him all where people could see him so i just have him in the room that only i go in so when i'm doing my ironing I, i'm sort of reminded yes you are a, yes you are a, even though you have to do your own ironing you are a success
0: Fat boy slim doing his own ironing i love it and uh, the last bit as well which i absolutely love uh, i know this because i know your address so i don't need to get any stalkers or anything but i do know that on google maps uh when uh, you look down from above on your address there's a massive smiley face a big yellow acid house smiley face on your roof. It's actually there, right?
1: Yeah. And you painted it or was it, you know? Paint, yeah. <laughs> I just thought it'd be bit a bit of a hoot. It was, it was just before they had Google Earth. I'm not sure if I still would have done it if I'd known you could see <laughs> it on Google Actually, no, I, I would have done it more. Um, I, do, I just like the idea that we, we were originally, because we had a flat roof, we were going to paint an H on the roof. Just to piss off the neighbours to make them think that we had a helicopter, but then I found out it's really illegal because if you do that, then you might be potentially learning helicopter pilots to their death. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah um,
1: no. No. It was just I've got a flat roof where I live, and it just seemed it was one of my stupid ideas one day that I did and and it is quite funny because you because not only well he is from space on Google Earth but yeah he's quite apparent if you if you on yeah. Google Earth <laughs> anywhere around the Portslade region He's like, <laughs> find like, right. out where I live
0: he, he lives there that's it brilliant I mean no fair play to you mate uh, absolutely uh, I want to say as well I really do appreciate you being here tonight it's wonderful I've got a lovely cool. message go
1: on well thanks so much for thinking me Mark it, it's been it's, it's been a pleasure to do it and uh, yeah no, I'm, I'm honoured that you uh you invited me
0: well mate you're a, you're a fantastic guest uh you're an interesting guy you've got a great life you've been through a, a strange old time but you've made the best of it um you know i will be popping in for a coffee at some point with my good mate richard de uh, and there's a lovely message here and it says just says norm you are so lovely so genuine and down to earth thank you for joining the life remix viewers uh we well, are thank you
1: thank you facebook user
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> you can read that bit then yeah uh, <laughs> but, uh anyway look um as i say mate uh if you say where you are for a minute uh, I'll just say goodbye to everyone. Look. get rid of the
1: other lot, and then we yeah, can have a proper
0: you, chat. You, you and I have a proper chat. Uh, but no, it's. Uh, I just want to say uh, to everyone, thank you for tuning in. It's been wonderful. Uh, it's been so good to, to catch up with Norman and, and hear more about his journey and what's going on. So many of you saying thank you and sending big love and stuff like that. It's been brilliant. Yeah, you, you can watch. You can watch it on catch up. Uh, I'm going to love you and leave you in the broadcast. Uh, stay where you are, Norm. Thanks, guys. Nice one.
1: Life remixed. remixed. With
0: Mark Wilkinson. Hi, it's Mark Wilkinson here, author of Life Remixed. Are you currently feeling stuck in your life with nowhere to go? Then it's definitely time to remix your life. The book is out now on Amazon across the world. It's been endorsed by Bob Proctor and Marcy Shymoff from The Secret, as well as some wonderful, wonderful people. You can also log on to markwilkinsonofficial.com, sign up, stay updated. We can help you take control of your life. Big, big, big love. Listen, baby, I don't mind what you do in your own time as long as it feels all right. It's always- Life Remixed.